This is the Local Action for Our Environment podcast series, brought to you by the Local Government Association. Hello and welcome to this episode of Local Action for Our Environment podcast. I'm Councillor Liz Green, Vice Chair of the LGA's Improvement and Innovation Board with lead responsibility for climate change. As you may be aware, many councils across the UK have declared a climate emergency. And in this podcast, we delve into the climate emergency and explore how councils can effectively engage with their communities. In this last episode, we'll be discussing how to engage diverse audiences on the climate emergency, and we'll hear of several different approaches councils have used to work with their local communities. I'm sure you're used to it by now, but to get us thinking at the beginning of this episode, I've got a few questions which you'll hear the answers to during the podcast. Firstly, what role do you play within your own communities to help ensure that everyone is engaged on climate change? And also, what model of communication would be best to have when reaching out to people? How would you widen your audience by better use of social media? If you don't know the answers to those already, listen out during the episode and I'll check in with you again at the end. I'm delighted to be joined today by Councillor Calton Rivers from Sheffield City Council. Joe Wall, who is the Strategic Director for Climate Response at Local Partnerships, and Chitra Nadaraja, the Strategic Manager for Climate Change at Hampshire County Council. Calton, I'd like to start with you. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your work? Hello, Liz. Uh, my name is Calton Rivers. I am in Sheffield. Um, I'm a mother of four boys and I've been elected 2018. Um, I'm originally, I was born in Somalia, which is in East Africa, and climate change obviously affects that part of the world. Um, I'm the chair of Transitional Committee for Neighbourhoods and Communities. Sheffield is going through a change of committee system at the moment, so climate change comes to that as well. Um, I've started being a community activist um, in my life, so I don't remember when I wasn't. And then I became a counsellor, so it's never switching off. I'm also a postgraduate um, student uh, researching sociological study of serious youth violence. Wow, lots going on in your life, Calton. Um, so if we can discuss the, the many people who are disengaged with climate change and climate action, how would you describe them? Who are they? When we're talking about social justice in, in, the, in line of climate justice, we can't never forget the rights of humans and, and their involvement. Our communities across the UK are made of different communities with different needs. Uh, in, in my case and what I come across and what I always think is that communities of colour are missing from many platforms. Um, also, poverty is another issue where communities that are living in deprived areas are not very well informed or included in the conversations or activities for climate activism. I would also say um, those um, who seldom had communities include elderly people, disabled people and young people. Um, to include those would mean that we need to think holistically and recognise the intersectionality of our communities. So obviously councils have diverse local populations differing across the country um, and those who engage with council activities and with climate change often don't represent that full diversity. So 
could you go a little bit into why it is so important for councils to engage the full diversity of their local populations? It's absolutely important for anyone who's giving service to populations across the board. Um, inclusiveness uh, means that even those who are active in the climate um, uh, activism, who are working with communities, are asked the question of, are you including everyone? So basically, it is very important for councils to even ask climate activists if they are inclusive. The only best way to be inclusive is think holistically, widely, but to also recognize why would people who are living in deprived areas are not well informed and not included. Um, main, some of the uh, uh, people of color who are not involved, but also should be involved, live in some of those deprived areas where pollution hits. Um, I think education from a very grassroots level would help councils across the board to reach where we are trying to reach, hopefully. It's really important what you're talking about here. So how can councils go about starting to contact those seldom heard communities and actually thoroughly engage with them? Have you got any tips for those looking to get started on that work? Yeah, um, some of the things that we, we should be thinking about is um, the, the, the language use of climate activism, um, not necessarily translated to different languages spoken in the UK. Um, making the link between the originality of where people came originally and how their communities in the global south are affected and how those communities are affected in the UK. So I'm talking about the migrant communities here. Um, and also the kind of, how do you communicate? How do we communicate? What kind of models do we use if we're translating the most important parts of climate uh, information? if we are not just translating it into languages that are spoken widely, but also there are communities that will be left out. But also there is the digital exclusion where you can't expect elderly people and those who are not really have, they could afford to buy or have those. So reaching them holistically would be including them in digitally in terms of language. Jargon busting is another thing that councils need to do. Um, and also using community activists who are recognized. So representation is also another thing where those communities could recognize themselves with some of those in frontline communities who are the leaders of their communities to actually address. So different models of, of communication is really needed. So thanks, Carlton. So lots of different methods of communication for different uh, communities within our, our larger local community. Yeah, um, one, one additional um, aspect is the concerns that uh, people of colour might have in terms of being on the spotlight on climate activism. Um, and we also need to really look very closely the link between race and climate change. Thanks, Calton. Um Joe, let's come to you now. Uh, can you introduce yourself and local partnerships for those who might be unfamiliar with your work? Hi, I'm Jo Wall and I'm responsible for climate response at Local Partnerships. 
For those of you who haven't come across local partnerships, we're owned by the Treasury, the Local Government Association and the Welsh Government, and we provide advisory services into the public sector and predominantly to local authorities around how things can be done more efficiently and more effectively. And in particular, we're really interested in knowledge sharing and sharing our own intellectual property with the sector. So, thanks, Joe. Um, some people might say go to where the people are because it's easier to engage with them in their own space and you don't have to persuade them to attend or follow something which may not be of interest to them. How can councils with their finite resources actually start to do this? I think that's a really interesting question, Liz, and I think it's a really important way of doing things because where people congregate, um, you have the the opportunity for engagement and conversation. Uh, so firstly, look for where those events and networks might be. And particularly, um, if you look at most council engagement with their communities, it tends to be overrepresented by older white people and, and quite often not working older white people, pensioners. Um, so looking at communities across the piece. So um, Caltem's talked a lot about minority ethnic communities, um, but actually we also find lack of engagement from younger communities and, and working people as well. So different strategies are going to work in different places, but where you've got effective networks um, in any of those communities, they're good places to start. Um, another good place to start might well actually be your own staff workforce. Uh, and by doing something like carbon literacy training across your organisation, you present the opportunity for your staff to go out and become um, advocates in your community for what you need to do and to talk with knowledge and understanding. Um, so that's a really cost effective way of actually creating a much wider voice in your community. Um, and the other thing that I would talk around is, is a little bit more about social media um, and, and how that can be used to um, improve and enhance the conversation in certain demographics. So um, one of the things we, we perhaps need to look for is where people meet virtually. Uh, and behind that is the, the statistic that the average adult in the UK spends between two and two and a half hours on social media. And increasingly, that's a channel where people look to for information. Um, so, so not engaging with that is probably missing a trick. Thanks, Joe. So you've touched on social media there um, and how we're missing a trick as councils if we're not engaging with it correctly. So what types of messages, thinking of social media, would really be most effective in your view? That's a quite a big question, Liz, um, to be fair, and I, I'll cover as much of it as I can in a very short space of time. So firstly, um, social media, it, it's not entirely universal, but it certainly is um, fairly universal, particularly in age groups under 65. And increasingly, it's used for that knowledge exchange. Um, but it's quite diverse and different platforms can be used in different ways to target different types of audiences. So if you were to look at the biggest social media um, audience in the UK, it would be Facebook, where you've got 40 million users. Um, and at the moment, um, most councils have some form of presence on Facebook, albeit it's fairly passive. But if you look a little closer at Facebook, you'll also see that most of its active users have quite a high crossover um, with groups who perhaps already engage. So the over 50s uh, and pensioners actually quite active. Younger people have quite often come off Facebook, um, preferring other platforms. We did, however, use Facebook and its crossover into Instagram advertising uh, on both pay-per-view and pay-per-click advertising with our work with West Sussex. And through that, we found that the pay-per-click advertising represented much better value for money. 
The second biggest platform in the UK is Instagram, uh, and that's a, a completely different um, environment to Facebook. It's much brighter, much lighter, very visual, much shorter comments, and needs a very different kind of content. Uh, and it needs to be fed pretty regularly. Um, the advantage of Instagram is it's it's the most popular platform amongst the under 35s. So if you're trying to target a younger audience, then starting to, to develop a strategy for Instagram would be a good idea. Um, I'm going to touch on two other platforms. I'm not going to touch on things like Nextdoor and Snapchat, um, but I will talk about Twitter a little bit. Um, Twitter's got 13.6 million users in the UK. Again, um, quite diverse, but quite a lot of younger users. And it's a, a really good platform if you want to actually use um, humour to engage perhaps a wider audience uh, and, and take a few more risks than some of the other platforms. Um, and then finally, um, LinkedIn. And, and LinkedIn is, is often the forgotten cousin of social media. Most of us have a LinkedIn account. Uh, quite often we've thought of it as somewhere where we perhaps store our contacts. But actually, globally, LinkedIn now has 722 million users. It's the fastest growing platform in the world, and it's also growing its content faster than anyone else. So the number of posts has increased by about 60% in the last 12 months. And around 60% of the users on LinkedIn are now aged between, between 25 and 34. So that's a, a really interesting platform that, that perhaps isn't well exploited um, in the, the local government sector. Uh, what I would say is with all of these, the one thing that is in common with all of them is that you, you really do have to have a plan to engage. You need to understand who you're trying to engage with uh, and think about content design and also how often you're going to post because posting once a week is never going to drive you an audience. You need to actually engage on a much more frequent basis. So it is very much one of those things you get out of it, what you put into it. Thanks, Joe. I, I find from my experience um, of councils using social media, they're very good at um, putting messages out, but sometimes not quite as good at the response to queries that come in on the back of those messages. Would you have anything that you think that would be useful tips for councils to use as those messages start to come back in? I think the first thing I would say is plan for what will come back. So think about that in the messaging and how you put things out. So, for example, you might want to use a poll if you want to actually garner an opinion on something rather than an open question box, because that's easier to deal with the outputs when they come back. Um, the, the second is that quite often um, by posting, you create a platform for noisy voices that are sometimes not always helpful. Uh, and sometimes that means that local authorities fight shy of social media uh, and you need to not be afraid to moderate and to take a conversation out and say, right, that's fine. Thank you very much. We've heard that. Uh, and then provide an offline response rather than necessarily um, feeding that conversation. So there is an element of thinking about what might come back and how you're going to deal with it before you, you post. Uh, and there's an element as well of saying, well, if this came in in the post, would I deal with it? And how would I deal with it? Thanks, Joe. And obviously, um, all councillors will be aware of the the. Um, some of the people that, that respond very frequently and obviously this is about reaching the wider audience of those that, that seldom respond and hearing their voices as well. Joe, you've referred to West Essex County Council and the work that they've done. I wonder if you could just give a little bit more detail about how they identified those seldom heard communities and how they managed to get their opinions. Thank you, Liz. Um, the work that West Sussex were doing in this instance was a, a climate 
survey. So they were looking at respondents to the survey. So they were collecting some demographic data as part of that. Um, and they had also collected demographic data on previous survey work. Uh, so we analysed that with them to look at the percentages of different communities or communities of interest um, in terms of their response rate compared to the population levels within the county. Thanks, Joe. It sounds like some great work has been going on at West Sussex. Um, what about other councils across the country that you're aware of? I'll, I'll point you to three. Um, so I'll point you to Hackney, first of all, who use Instagram really effectively. They post three times a day and some really bright and interesting content. They've got about 8,000 followers. So if you want to see what good Instagram looks like, go to Hackney. Um, if you want to see what good LinkedIn looks like, go to Newcastle. They've got about 12,000 followers. Um, slightly lower levels of engagement on some of their posts. So a good post might get 750 engagements, um, but possibly some really high value engagements there. And finally, my kings of this um, space would be Doncaster. And those of you who haven't visited the Doncaster Twitter feed, I would strongly recommend that you do so. Um, really brave and bold use of humour and can show what council can do if it's unafraid um, of receiving criticism, because actually most of their feedback is really strong. But their use of humour through the COVID pandemic was unbelievably brave. Um, drove home some really hard messaging on the end of it. They had 18,000 engagements with one particular thread. Um, they are actually within the sector, not just within local government, but within Twitter users, they're an exemplar. Uh, and yeah, if you want to see what good looks like, go and have a look at that. Thanks, Joe. Um, I have to say I do follow Doncaster on, on Twitter for their great comments um, and they are very good. I'll check out the other two and um, we'll put them in the show notes so that everybody can see the details. Um, and this all brings us nicely on to you, Chitra. Could you tell us a bit about yourself and your role at Hampshire County Council? Thank you, Liz. Um, I'm Chitra Nadaraja. I'm the Strategic Manager for Climate Change at Hampshire County Council. Um, I've been with the council for 20 years. I started as a climate change officer 20 years ago went and did lots of other things in the council and now I'm back on climate change. Um, so the focus of my work is really looking at how we can sort of deliver responses to those big emission areas and resilience opportunities as well, because we have two targets in Hampshire, one for carbon neutrality and one to build resilience, which I think is, is quite unusual. But I really think as a local authority, the resilience thing is, is a really important um, part of the response to climate change for us. Thanks. So you're doing lots in, in Hampshire, but what are you doing to engage with the diverse communities that you have? This is really quite challenging. It's not, you know, I'm not going to kind of um, sugarcoat it and say that we're doing it all right already. We really wanted to focus on uh, getting to the communities where they're already engaging. So we're working with a lot of um, organisations, charities that are already on the ground, engaging with communities that communities have already got a relationship with and using those um, community groups to basically push the message. So we've launched a number of community projects across Hampshire that really does that you know it's about engaging communities at where they are not expecting them to engage with us where we are which I think can be quite difficult so for example we've got the greening campaign which is one of our flagship community projects that's kind of been around since 2007 and it's had a bit of a resurgence um, since the sort of climate emergency became popular again 
And that's really about communities choosing to sign up to work on climate change and then choosing how they want to tackle climate change. So each community's response will be different depending on the needs of that community. And the greening campaign is able to be tailored to those community needs, which I think is really important because often I think we, we have an agenda to deliver and we forget that actually it's not our agenda, it's everyone's agenda. And we need to make sure that, you know, the engagement side is about listening to what the communities want themselves, not just what our kind of um, objectives are. So as I said, we've got a number of projects that we've launched and the greening campaign for me is the one that kind of really does get on the ground and hopefully, you know, meet communities uh, where they are. And I think it is about asking communities to help themselves just as much as it is about us asking you know for engagement and how we can engage with communities so it's listening to the community needs i think has been a really important part of the work that we've been doing um, in terms of residential engagement really thanks um and why did you choose the approaches that, that you have chosen in hampshire i think we chose the approaches because we knew that the old methods didn't work you know, we've been around this circle a few times with climate change and with other initiatives. I used to work in recycling, you know, so there's we know what what has worked in the past and what hasn't worked. So we're trying to develop new ways of engaging. We've also set up an expert forum and that's made up of activist groups. So again, you know, it's really listening to the voice of those groups that often, I think as a local authority, we can be quite nervous about engaging with actively. So we give them a forum where we have open conversations, open challenge, and we really try and listen to what they're telling us we need to do. But we also challenge back and we say, as activist groups sitting within your community, what can you do to help us make sure that action is being taken on the ground? So it's not just all about us as a county council solving the problem, because we all know, you know, and the Climate Change Committee has said this, that behaviour change is going to be the biggest change that's required in order to, to deliver the targets. So it's not just, you know, local authorities taking action, it's every single person taking action. So we have that two-way relationship with the expert forum as well. I mean, I think as a local authority, we historically have got um, a reputation for the way that we engage with communities and we really need to start to move away from that and that's difficult and you know I really kind of resonated with what Carlton was talking about in terms of you know recognizing themselves within the groups that we engage with um, community activists you know being part of the process but it's not easy and it, we're really just at the beginning of all of this um, so we, we're trying um, and we're hopefully getting there. But as you said, most of the people that engage with us through our social media, so we do exactly the stuff that Joe was talking about. We do a lot of social media posts, targeted paid for advertising posts. We do it on a demographic basis. We know that that's still not necessarily reaching everyone um, and we are not engaging with the seldom heard as much as we should. So it's just about keeping trying new things all the time and learning and not making the assumption that you've you've cracked it we are far from cracked it and of course that's the uh, purpose of these podcasts and the other work that we do at the LGA sharing our experiences across councils and with experts in the industry to make sure that we learn from each other to make it the best we can so quite rightly we share across um local government but how do you in Hampshire monitor that kind of involvement that you're getting so that you can see that continuous improvement that you're striving for? 
We tend to use the usual methods. So obviously we, we look at the engagement activity on all of our social media posts, our website. We ask for feedback from our expert forum about when we put information out, you know, when we do reports. A lot of what we do as a local authority is not always the most exciting, you know, releasing cabinet reports or, and, you know, things like that. People don't tend to want to engage with that. So it's the social media side is obviously the easiest one to monitor and to make sure we're hitting the right audiences that we are trying to hit, because it's not always the seldom heard. So, for example, we did a whole piece around solar together, which was about buying solar PV through an auction process, a reverse auction. And we knew we were targeting the top tier of the people who live in Hampshire who could afford solar panels. So, you know, that so there's different ways of reaching different audiences and we monitor the the kind of how well we do on that. But the wider piece is still very challenging. You know, if our social media is just one part of what we do, and we really do have to rely very heavily on the community groups that we're working with, the expert forum that we're working with, and all of the other aspects that's not directly climate change work. So, you know, we have teams in waste, we have teams in transport, etc., and they're all engaging as well. So we need to make sure that the climate change messages are being weaved into all of those different engagements, consultations. So it's just about trying to get it in everywhere and then monitor everywhere. But like I said before, we know we haven't cracked this. So, you know, it's not that we've got the answer. We just keep trying new methods and new ways. And, you know, one thing that we're trying to work on now is the sort of social justice element, which Keltum talked about. And for me, that's a really interesting and quite a critical part of what we should be thinking about as a local authority. So we've actually, we're partnering up with one of our universities on our expert forum, Winchester University who have got a social justice uh, and climate change section and he is the um, director of that uh, sits on our expert forum and I've spoken to him about doing a joint project on social justice, climate change and incarcerated men. So that's going to be quite a niche project but again it's really just about learning those lessons, understanding what we can do to kind of push this message but also the benefits. You know we we've all heard the term green economy, build back better. Those are all opportunities from climate change that we want to make sure are available to everyone, not just certain parts of our communities. So there's the side about, you know, engaging with communities to make sure that the impacts of climate change are being, you know, done equally and, you know, we cover all of the different communities, but there's the other side of it as well. There's lots of opportunities coming up and we want to make sure that those are also equally uh, shared. Thanks for that. And um, just so what would be your top tips uh, for councils that want to engage better and have better equality and diversity in their climate um, emergency actions? I think my top tip is the don't assume that you're doing it well you know, that this is a learning process. And as local authorities, we have to realize that, you know, we're not the first people that people want to come and talk to. Um, so it that is already a challenge and that is a barrier. So I would say for me, the top tip is to try and work with others as much as possible, listen to other voices, engage with those people that you may be frightened to engage with because they might challenge you and push you. 
and try things, you know, like we're talking about Doncaster with their Twitter account. You know, we did a few really kind of what we call disruptive um, things during our recycling campaigns, like spray painting on, on pavements about recycling. So I think it's about trying to push ourselves outside of our comfort zone a little bit. Um, that would be some of my top tips. That's great. Maybe we do sit a little in our comfort zones in our councils, but you're absolutely right. Um, most people don't want to come to a meeting or read one of our rather lengthy reports normally. So, Carlton, what are you doing in Sheffield? What are you particularly proud of that um, in this area of work of engaging different communities um, in climate action? Well, we're, Sheffield is going through the changes from uh, strong leaders to com communities uh, and local uh, community. Uh, it's called LAC, so local uh, area communities. And and within that, it's included. So there's a whole um, transitional team that's dealing with the climate um, change to address the issues and actually get the grassroots of the community's voice into that, uh, into the change. Now, these committees will actually have people sitting in those and talking about the issues that affect their communities. And that's actually a good thing to, to capture. Um, and we've always been talking about how grassroots is always the thing. I know it's difficult, as you said earlier, um, to get the uh, social justice and, and, and get the um, people to speak about their problems and issues. But within that, we, we're hoping that we would actually get a lot more people talking to us about what they want in their areas to be done and word by word and, and, and area by area. Um, the other thing I, I haven't mentioned earlier is that I have engaged in post-COVID, I have engaged uh, Greece, a Green New Deal to, to come to Sheffield and engage with communities. Um, I've also, I am one of the climate reframers, which is hundreds of us from uh, communities of colour, um, and we have been put together in different areas um, of the country where we can then include, um, where we can work with communities and councils to make sure that communities are reached. So we're talking about people of colour in this case, because all of us recognised uh, in the climate reframers are, are from the communities of colour. Thanks, Calton. And that brings us to the end of this episode and the end of this series focused on community engagement. At the beginning of this podcast, I asked you what role you played within your communities to help ensure that everyone is engaged on climate change. As we heard from Chitra, there's lots of community groups that you can join uh, and engage with. And did you catch which model of communication would be best to have when reaching out to people? As Caltrum told us, we need to be thinking about digital inclusion and translating into different languages. And finally, Joe explained how you could widen your audience with better use of social media. Have a look at the exemplars that she mentioned, which are in our show notes for ideas on what your council can do. Thank you for listening to the Local Action for Our Environment podcast. This episode was presented by myself, Councillor Liz Green, and produced by the Local Government Association. Many thanks to our guest speakers today, Councillor Kaltum Rivers, Joe Wall and Chitra Nadaraja. This podcast forms part of the LGA sector support programme available to councils to support their work on combating climate change. To learn more about the climate crisis and the LGA sector support programme, resources and materials will be linked in the episode show notes. 
You can also find out more information on the support pages of the LGA website at local.gov.uk and by signing up to our free monthly climate change e-bulletin. Thank you again for listening. Please do share this podcast and the rest in the series with your friends and colleagues, and we hope you have enjoyed it.